Hey, good morning. Man, it's so good to see you guys today. So glad that you guys are here. I want to say a special thank you to our team yesterday, Barb Flynn. I think she's in here. Uh, but uh, man, we had this deal, Trunk or Treat. So church, thank you for helping supply the, the needs for this thing. Yesterday we did Trunk or Treat. There's like 2,000 people showed up from the community that we just got to love on in Jesus' name, which is, that's our mission, man. Take risks to pursue God and love people like Jesus. We did our best to do that yesterday, but want to say a big thanks to that team. One of my favorite things to do as a youth pastor way back in the day was for incoming parents when they would come in I love to remind them, and I still, as a senior pastor, I still get to do it with, with parents. I love it, pointing them to this passage of Scripture. It's found in Luke, where it simply says this about Jesus. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What a powerful prayer that we can pray, man. To be able to pray for our kids, regardless of age, to be able to pray for our, our grandkids, that our kids would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If you haven't prayed that for your family, man, continue, like start, pray that prayer for your family. But tucked inside this passage of scripture is like one of the biggest oops in all of scripture for parents. Tucked in that little corner of Luke is this moment where Mary and Joseph lose Jesus. Like they lose him. They don't know where he's at. Like dude, you lost Jesus. It's not good. So these so lost that they have to backtrack. They, were, they have to backtrack to Jerusalem to find him. And where do they find Jesus? They find Jesus in the temple. And his mom and dad, they, they walk up to Jesus and they're like, what are you doing? You scared us to death. And this is how he responds. You should have known I've been about my, you should have known I was going to be about my father's work. You should have known I was going to be about my father's business, of being about the kingdom. And the reason I start that way today with you is I want, us, I want to remind us this morning. I want to remind us to keep our eyes on the kingdom of God. God loves you. God loves all of us. God loves all people. And God wants to use your life today God wants to use your life this week to be about his business, to advance the kingdom of God. So this morning, I want to start off by reminding us to keep our eyes on the kingdom because God wants to use your life. And oftentimes, if he's not, it's because we're either distracted thinking about something else or it's because we just don't know how. And as Lisa wraps up her book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, as we wrap up our study today with our eyes focused on the kingdom, and people are asking, how could God use me? I get it how God might be able to use this person or that person, but man, there's a lot of junk in my life. How could God use me? I'll paraphrase how she closes her book, but she closes her book with the concept of keeping her eyes on the kingdom with an understanding of this, our greatest, some of our greatest kingdom contributions are going to come from the least likely of places, the messiest places in our lives. Some of the greatest kingdom work that God wants to do in your life 
It's going to come out of a place of fear, where you experience fear, where it's going to come out of a place of worry. It's going to come out of a place of anxiety. It's going to come out of a place of failure. Some of God's greatest kingdom work that he wants to do in and through your life is going to come from the least likely of places, those messy places. And here's what, here's what the Holy Spirit wants to remind all of us today, is that the kingdom of God is nothing like America. You see, in America, we want to project strength. In America, we want everybody to see how good we are. You all look great today, man. And that's what we want people to see. We worked hard to get ready today because we want people to see the best in us. But let me just share some biblical perspective on the kingdom of God. Look at this. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose to use the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. As we find ourselves between two gardens, the Garden of Eden and what God is going to restore at the very end, and we find ourselves in this disappointment gap, this space in between, if you're feeling beat up, if you're like, hey, God can't use me, that's a lie. God wants to use the lowly moments in our lives, the things that we're weak, where we're desperate for him. He wants to use that to advance his kingdom. I was listening to a podcast where Lisa was being interviewed. It was before her book released. And the interviewer was just asking her about her life. And I just couldn't believe how vulnerable she was. It was how transparent she was. She was talking about how her marriage was falling apart. But not only was she vulnerable that way, she was vulnerable in her faith too. She said, in the moments that nobody else could see what was happening inside of my heart and inside of my mind, she was like, I was crying out to God, and she said, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Did you notice she didn't say, God, why are you doing this to me? She said, why are you allowing this to happen? Because you see, God's entrusted her with a very public ministry. It's called Proverbs 31 ministry. It doesn't have a, a local reach or a national reach. It's got a global reach. And she says, people are going to hear how my marriage has failed. What are people going to think when they hear that my marriage is over? And it was in that moment that the Spirit of God whispered into her life, I don't need you to be perfect to use you. I don't need you to have a perfect image. I don't need you to have a perfect marriage in order to use you. See, I can use the imperfect things in your life. Lisa, I just want to know if I can have them. Can I have your fears? Can I have your failures? Can I have your insecurities? Because there's going to be a group of people walking through this world during your lifetime, and they're all going to be saying the same thing. Lord, it's not supposed to be this way. Why are you allowing this to happen? And Lisa, if you'll let me have your stuff, if you keep your eyes on the kingdom, I'll use that to help other people travel through this life. And so this morning, if you're saying, how could God use me? 
You see, he uses the foolish things of this world. He uses the weak things, the lowly things. You don't have to have it all buttoned up. He just wants to know, will you trust him? Will you follow him? Can he have your stuff? Can he have that divorce that you wish you didn't go through? Can he have that depression and anxiety? Can he have that season of loss that was just such a heavy, heavy burden? Can, can he have that addiction that you wrestle with? Can he, have, can he have that hurt that just bubbles to the surface even as I, as I bring it up? Can he, can he have that? Because if you keep your eye on the kingdom, God will absolutely use that to make a big time difference. Paul, who wrote the words to the church in Corinth about how God uses lowly things, knows a little bit about how the kingdom is upside down. You see, he says also to the same church in Corinth, he says he, he was having this moment where he was struggling with this, with this stuff, and he didn't want it, and he was begging God to take it from him, and God says this to Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. What an upside down thing to say. Because we want everybody to see the best part of me. The best part of you. That's what we want people to see. But do you see what the kingdom says? That God's power is most revealed and most evident when we're the weakest. When we admit our dependence and our need. So what does Paul say? wouldn't choose it definitely wish God would have taken it but okay therefore Paul says I will boast about my weaknesses I'll tell people about my disappointments I'll tell people about my shortcomings I'll tell people about the not so glamorous and pretty parts the hard parts the parts that I wrestle with and rather not share I'll show those parts because when I'm weak God's spirit and his strength rests on me. See, the kingdom of heaven is upside down. God uses the weak things. You don't have to have it all buttoned up this morning. And today, the spirit of God is inviting all of us to lay our pride down. The spirit of God this morning is inviting all of us to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, I'll trust you. I'll stop boasting in me. And I'll start boasting in my weaknesses so that the world can see, God, your strength. So that the world can see your strength, Lord. I want to introduce you to some friends. They're lifelong friends of Highland Park Community Church. The picture's going to come up on the screen. This is Dan and Sandra Walgren. Been Faith Promise Partners, they've uh, got a uh, mission, so to speak, where God, years ago, decades ago, impressed upon them to begin a camp. And the camp's got a name, it's Table in the Wilderness, they didn't know how they were going to do it. All they know is that the Spirit of God impressed on them to start on a, uh, to begin a camp, so to steal a thought from the great theologian John Bon Jovi, they were living on a prayer. That's all they had. And God made a way where there was no way. This camp is huge. It's got a big reach where kids come from all ages and they're introduced to the love of Jesus Christ. And some of those kids have a relationship and they're discipled while they're at camp. Well, how do camps make their money? Campers. 
That's how they make their money. That's how they pay their staff. That's how they cover their operating costs. COVID's kicked them in the teeth this year. Like, I've been around Dan. I've been at the camp, talked with Dan, and heard him say, I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how we're going to do it. And it sounded so pretty coming out of his mouth, like, I just don't know how we're going to do it. It sounded so pretty. But if you were to look inside his heart, there's worry there. There's like, not like crippling, but concern. Like, how are we going to keep this open? How are we going to pay our bills? Like, there's no camper. There's, he's just talking about, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I can't manufacture that. And if that wasn't enough, the camp's located in Centennial, Wyoming. And if you know what's going down in Centennial, then you know about the fires that are going on there too. So if COVID wasn't enough, now you've got the fires and the camp was already in jeopardy before, but now it's like really in jeopardy because at any moment, that fire has already consumed some ranches, but could consume more ranches and consume the camp. But in that, like, there's something crazy going on. Because like fire, firefighters from all over the state and surrounding states came in and the nation came in and said, we'll help fight this fire. Many of them didn't have a place to stay. So Dan looked around, he's like, we've got some beds. Would you stay with us? And these firefighters stayed with Dan for a while. And he thought, what a cool idea to not only just stay, but we could feed them because we've got some food. So they started to feed them. And the food ran out. And the freezers broke. So there was no place to store the food. You cannot make this stuff up. So Dan made a few phone calls. God raised up an army of resources to go buy brand new freezers. But when Dan called to buy a new freezer, every freezer in the surrounding area was 10 weeks back-ordered. Not only has toilet paper been assaulted by COVID, but apparently freezers have been too. Until he called Casper, and he called uh, Menards, and Menards is like, yeah, we've got 10 freezers. So he called his buddy Derek Jones, who goes to Highland here, whose kids have worked at the camp. He's like, dude, I need you to go get two freezers. Well, at the same time that this is all going on, Chris Kinner in his office has no idea about feeding the firefighters, housing the firefighters, but just feels a prompting for the spirit from the spirit to call Dan and say, could you use some food? So he calls Dan, he's like, hey man, could you use some food? He's like, no way. He's like, dude, we're out of food. We got freezers coming and we're trying to feed firefighters. He's like, get down here, man. So Kinner and Adam load up the van and head down there and they arrive about the same time the, the food, uh, the freezers do and God just writes this beautiful story. The reason I want to tell you the story is when I first heard it, all I could sit and think and say in the privacy of my own mind was, oh my gosh, look at how amazing God is. Like, when Dan looked around and he saw empty beds, what God saw was an opportunity to hold his reservation for a bunch of firefighters. When all Dan and the team could see 
was that ministry was not happening at the camp. The kingdom of heaven was looking down, just getting them ready for a new season of ministry. And what God saw was that freezer was going to break, but he just saw an, another way to prove his faithfulness and provide a freezer or two. And when there was no food, God's like, yeah, I've got that covered as well. If Dan and the people telling the story would have just said, oh yeah, man, we got it all covered, man, we've got this going on, let me tell you about the ministry that God's doing, man, we would have celebrated. But what made it so newsworthy in my own life was how they humbled themselves and how they shared their weaknesses and said, man, we're not equipped for this. We can't do this. And look at what God has done. This morning, as we find ourselves, some of us find ourselves literally saying, it's not supposed to be this way because of something that you're facing. And for you, you would say, it feels all-consuming, almost like that fire. What I want you to know, what heaven wants you to know, is that God loves you, that he's for you, and that moment that you think is there to consume you is an opportunity for God to refine you. All throughout scriptures, we read that we're being molded more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That's called a refining process, where God uses the things in life to remove the impurities, the things that are not of him, from our lives. And so this morning, if you find yourself in that season where you're saying it's not supposed to be this way, what God wants you to do, what the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to do is just trust God's promises. Trust God's goodness to you because he's going to do something. He's doing a work in your life right now. He's, he's birthing something new that he wants to use in the future because somebody you're going to run across is going to need to know that they're not alone and God wants, is giving this as a gift that you're going to be able to use. And here's the cool part. Is that God never just lets these things happen. He stands with us in those seasons of trials, and in those seasons that feel like they're going to consume us, God isn't distant. He's right there in the fire with us. In the Old Testament, I know it's old, but it's still useful. You can go to the book of Daniel. I encourage all of you guys to go to the book of Daniel today and read Daniel chapter 3. And you'll be introduced to a king who ruled during a time. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. It's a historical event. He was king over Babylon. And he decided it was a good idea to make a statue that everybody would have to come and bow down to. But he had captives there, and there were Jewish captives in there, and part of that, those Jewish captives actually working in his court were three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar's people said, we're going to crank up the music, and when we crank up the volume, man, you guys are all going to hit the hard deck and worship Nebuchadnezzar's statue, and if you don't, we're going to throw you in the fire. We're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood on who God was and refused to worship, and they were brought before the king, and they said, you can recant, or you can be thrown in the fire. And their response to him was, O Nebuchadnezzar, our God is able to deliver us from you, but even if he chooses not to, rest assured, we are not bowing down. 
and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And in that moment, this pagan, godless king comes up out of his seat demanding to know how many men were thrown in there. And his men reported, well, king, three. My lord, three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we threw them in. And he says, then you tell me why there are four men in that fire and they are not being consumed. And it was because Jesus was in the fire with them. And so if you find yourself in a season where you're, not, where you're saying it's not supposed to be this way, Jesus is with you. He is for you. He is asking you to trust him because he is birthing something new in you. This morning, the kingdom of heaven, God is asking us to humble ourselves before him. He is asking us to boast in our weakness, tell stories of our weakness so that we can lift up the name and the power of God and his goodness to us. The world looks for peace in its circumstances. But Jesus said, my peace I give you. I don't give you my peace as the world gives you. I'll give you something greater. I'll give you my spirit who is peace. Church, if you're looking for your peace in circumstances, that's what the world does. As followers of Jesus, we need to keep our eyes on the kingdom and find our peace in Jesus. The only thing stronger than those chains, the only thing deeper than those hurts, is the love of God for you, expressed to us through his son, Jesus. Jesus is hope. He is peace. He is joy. He is love. And he is for you. He is for us. Today, if you don't have that personal relationship, the Spirit of God is whispering you to lay your life down, ask forgiveness of your sins, and choose Jesus. And the promise of God is that life will come. doesn't mean circumstances get better. It just means that He's with you and you have His strength, His love to get through that. Today is another opportunity, church, for us to be about our Father's business. And He's asking us to keep our eyes on the kingdom and to just place what we have in His hands, be dependent on Him and let Him be Him because He turns our messes into miracles that not only benefit us, but benefit those that He brings into our circles for such a time as this that we can share. So let's go have some Jesus conversations and let's boast this week not about our strength, but boast this week about our weaknesses and boast how God carried us through it. He loves you. He's for you. We love you and we're glad that you're here and Lord willing we'll get to see you again next week.